BM friends, and welcome to the Metacast brought to you by Navic. My name is Nico, and this is a very special episode to me because today, in this episode, I'm passing on the torch, as some of you have heard. Um, I'm stepping down as the main host of the Metacast Crypto Corners, and yeah, I'm passing on the torch to some extremely capable um, hosts. Uh, the first one we have with us today. So we have Nico Vori. We've made things easy for you, by the way, listener. It's going from Nico to Nico. Not that big a difference. Also European. Um, also nerds. So um, yeah, let's let's talk about Nico and, and who he is. So Nico, um, th- first of all, thanks for being willing to do this. Yeah, my pleasure. It's some big shoes to fill. Um, I've been a longtime listener, uh, big fan of the show, big fan of Novik and everything that they do. So um, yeah, when I saw that, uh, you were stepping down first, I was a little sad, um, about not being able to listen to you uh, on a weekly basis. But then I, I saw that there was a call for new hosts and I thought, you know what, this is an amazing opportunity, uh, to continue to be part of what I'm excited to be part of, which is, you know, the web three game space. And uh, in my view, one of the, the greatest content providers out there in Novik, um, and being part of this Metacast crypto corner is, um, some might say a dream come true. So excited to be here. Thank you. Man, you're making me emotional. And to be fair, it's been amazing, like an amazing ride for me. Um, I wouldn't bear, I wouldn't be where I was without the Metacast. So this has been fantastic. Now, Nico, you and I, we we know each other. We met each other a few months ago. Could could you tell the audience a bit more about what you're building, and what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm uh, in addition to now being the the newest Metacast Crypto Corner podcast host. I'm also a founder and CEO of a company called Blockstars. Um, we're building, uh, you know, Web3 games um, on the Solana blockchain. It's a music-themed management simulation game. Uh, if anybody's familiar with games like uh, Football Manager or Top 11 for mobile, uh, it's a very similar concept, uh, but just with the fiction of, of music. And uh, Nico and I met uh, in New York for NFT NYC um, and had a really... Well, I really enjoyed meeting him. Uh, I'll let him speak for himself. But uh, we had a lot in common, um, a lot of you know friends and colleagues from the, the industry in common, and uh, I felt like we we hit it off pretty well. So I'm I'm honored to be to be again once be a part of this, and uh, honored to be filling the big shoes that uh, Nico leaves behind. Thanks, man. And and so for the listener, we had quite a big outreach of people that were interested in uh, becoming a host of the Crypto Corner, um, and so we had some hard decisions to make, but. You know, me and Nick, Nico, we hit it off, uh, as he described it well, and uh, had a lot of fun together. And I thought, you know, he has, honestly, like, I have zero experience in building games. And so now we finally have a games builder doing this. So maybe there's a few less stupid questions being asked. Um, and I'm sure that you'll you'll do a fantastic job, um, you know, continuing exploring this super exciting space. I have two questions for you um, to end off this, this little intro. First question, what is your favorite game of all time? It's a very easy question, and I know you know the answer to this because we talked about it at length in <laughs> New York. Um, but my favorite game is is Football Manager. Um, it is a game out of the UK. Uh, it has been you know live in in the industry for for thirty years since nineteen ninety two, and I have believe it or not been playing that game for those thirty years. Um, wow. It's uh, it's an incredibly deep management simulation game. You know, with obviously football, i.e., soccer as as the theme, 
And uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty deep uh, and steep learning curve uh, to get into it. But once you do, it's, it's a very, very engaging long-term game. So, so that's my favorite game of all time. But I'm, I'm a management sim nerd through and through. I play lots of different management sims. Uh, that just happens to be, be my favorite. Love it. And, you know, as an investor, I like to look for people that, for there to be a founder product fit. And that was definitely the case with you and what you're building. So um, that was definitely a plus point there. Finally, we are on the crypto corners. In the beginning, I did this more than I've did recently, but I like to ask people for a bold prediction. So I'm going to ask you the same. Could you give us a bold prediction for Web3 games? Yeah, so this is a this is a great question because it's a very hard question, and I think uh, anybody who's in the space, uh, you know, building or or as an investor or really just as an analyst, recognizes how uh, how fast things change and how um, you know how quicksandy the the foundations of what we're building uh, or where we're building are. So I think the 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 cop out answer. I'm going to give you a proper answer, but the cop out answer is uh, I don't know. <laughs> Um, and anybody who pretends to know that that they know exactly where the space is going over the next, you know, one, five, certainly 10 years, um, really, I don't think can intellectually, honestly say that that's, you know, that's something they can stand behind very, very confidently. Um, however, what I would say as a bold prediction, um, I think that uh, as many games as, as are currently being built and as many teams as are coming to blockchain gaming and as many really quality teams are coming you know from the web 2 space and you know veteran game developers i still maintain that almost none of the projects um, that are being built right now are going to be the big one uh, for the future um if anybody knows that so if I may give a, a little anecdote here. So I, I used to predict, I've been making games for quite a while now. I got my start at Zynga in 2009. And for the longest time, especially after mobile gaming came out, I used to say, I don't think first person shooters are going to work on mobile. They're too twitchy. They're too hard to control. The screen is too small. Um, and for, for many years, I was right. That was my bold prediction. <laughs> my bold prediction was, I don't think first person shooters are going to work on mobile. Many had tried, all had failed. And then next thing you know, um, not that long ago, what do we have? We have Call of Duty, we have Apex Legends, we have PUBG Mobile. We have a plethora of first-person shooters that are absolute blockbusters. Uh, it took a while to get there, um, but when they did, they really, really worked. And there had to be many generations of failures along the way from which all of these different developers and these different games learned. So my bold prediction is that, that we are literally at the very, very beginning of blockchain gaming, of Web3 gaming, and that there will be many, many generations of games that are built on the foundations of what we are doing today. There will be successes, of course, and we hope that we are one of them. But my bold prediction is that it will take a lot of time to hone in on what really works. And it might take several generations before we get to that really big hit and that kind of succession of, of really big hits. So I hope that answers the question. Um, one of the things I try to do is be intellectually honest about what we're up to um, and what, what we can ac actually say with confidence. And I can't with confidence say, I know exactly where the space is gonna be a year, five, 10 from now. All I know is gonna be a hell of a ride. I love that. And I think that intellectual honesty is also important. Being a podcast host, having to talk to different people and try to stay neutral. I haven't always been neutral. It's hard, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that'll be fantastic. Good. Good take, by the way. It's um, I agree. And honestly, like this is another discussion, but I struggle to see, um, at least in the short term, a shooter work with Web3, which is a similar but different discussion as well. 
In any case, that was good. Um, this is not the last time you'll hear my voice in an intro because we are actually doing a co-host situation. So Nico is going to be half of the hosting pair of the Metacost Crypto Corner. So there will be three or actually four hosts. So we have Aaron, Maria, Nico, and then a, a, a surprise. We we have a pretty good idea of, of how, about who this is going to be, but it's not 100% confirmed yet. Anyway, so um, next episode, you will uh, learn more about that person. And in the meantime, I look forward to, um, well, I hope, listener, you look forward to the episode that's coming now. And uh, future Nico, take it away. Thank you. And before we go, I just want to say very quickly, again, huge thank you to, to Nico for everything he's done. He, you know, he built this from the ground up. Uh, we have a huge debt of gratitude for, for all he's done. Like I said, I genuinely have been a longtime listener. I uh, followed the journey. And, um, you know, we hope to we hope to do justice to, to the, the future of this show. And uh, we are definitely looking forward to having you back on in the future as a, as a special guest star. Um, so Bye. thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Hello, and welcome to the Metacast Crypto Corner, brought to you by Novik. I'm your host, Nick Ovori. We have got a great show for you today. Uh, our guest is John Oswald, president of games at one of the OGs in the Web3 gaming space, Gala Games. Uh, Gala was founded by Eric Schiermeyer, who was also one of the co-founders of Zynga. Uh, and he, of course, is one of the godfathers of the data-driven product manager discipline. So it should be no surprise that Gala has been very busy experimenting with all kinds of uh, interesting initiatives. Um, they've done music NFTs with Snoop Dogg, uh, art NFTs with Frank Miller. Um, they've got GalaCon, they've got their own coin that's centrally exchange traded. Um, and of course, they've got a big uh, web uh, game publishing business, which is where John comes into the equation. Um, John. Welcome to the pod. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, Nico. Happy to be here. Awesome. So uh, you've been involved in a lot of uh, very early stage gaming startups, a lot of uh, gaming companies that are kind of at the cutting edge of technology, consumer behavior, uh, and of course, gaming. Uh, and of course, that includes Zynga, which is where you met Eric. Um, you have a really interesting backstory. Um, you have a really interesting kind of entry into Web3. And I'd love to hear you talk more about, uh, about uh, your journey uh, in the gaming industry and, of course, your journey into Web3. Uh, sure. sure. So I've, I've been in gaming for about 15 years and almost the entire time has, has been in free to play. So start, starting in early days at uh, Shockwave doing web games. And then Zynga was, of course, a very transformative experience for me. Uh, my favorite time in my career up until now, because it was creating new, completely new ways to monetize games, to create games. Uh, it's, it really felt like first principle thinking. Um, bunch of startups in the middle there, and then um, found myself at, at EA, uh, and you know had a, had a deep relationship with Eric. So started talking to him about some partnerships we could do. And the more I learned about Gala and what they were doing, uh, the more I was I started thinking, what what am I doing with myself? Uh, so so came over. And to me, it's it's just such a it's it's a really interesting problem to to think through and solve, but at the heart of it, you have an industry users paying hundred thousand dollars more for digital assets that they don't actually end up owning, and and going deep and knowing those users over the years through through uh, the 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 games that I've worked on and creative, it just seems like a no brainer. If you could if you could own those assets, why wouldn't you? So it's a really exciting place to to be figuring out these these types of problems. And Gala, of course, has been one of the OGs in the space. You know, Eric uh, co-founded the company and was pretty early to to market. Um, tell me a little bit about the the backstory of Gala itself. Uh, you know, how did Gala get started? Um, I believe Townstar was was your first game. 
a very kind of farming sim, Farmville-esque type type title. Um, obviously, you saw success with that, sufficient success to kind of double down on the space and and continue building. Tell me a little bit about the, the backstory of, of how Townstar and Gala Games came to be, uh, and then a little bit about where you guys are right now. Obviously, it's a very different business to, <laughs> to when it started sure. with so many different initiatives. So um, I, I, actually, Eric and I did um, my, our, our last startup together, the startup he did previous to, to Gala, and he's been talk, he was talking about blockchain gaming, I would say, from 2017 uh, uh, onwards. Uh, the, when he met our, our other co-founder, his name, named Wright Thurston, uh, Wright really brought the blockchain tech. Eric had the vision for, for games as the use case. Uh, and that's how Gala started originally. And then Michael McCarthy, who was, uh, the creator of Farmville 2 at Zynga, uh, knew Eric from, from there and had a, he had a game, uh, game company set up to do a blockchain game, which was, which, which is Townstar. So Gala acquired uh, his company and the rest is, is history. That's what, what got us going. I think uh, as far as the path we're on, I always think about uh, from the games business perspective, it's like uh, three boxes in a, in a chain where, where we want to go. Uh, and we started as a game developer. Uh, we're, ultimately, we want to be a self-service platform for, for, for blockchain games. But uh, when nobody had heard of blockchain games, and we had no users or traction. It was it was pretty hard to to convince folks to come onto our platform. So we started by making our own games as, as a developer, and that was bringing Townstar actually to, to market live. And then uh, Michael has moved on since to to start building uh, our fantasy uh, RPG MMO called Mirandus. Um, that got a lot of traction in, in the community and and started bringing users into the ecosystem. Of course, we sell. Um, founders nodes as, as uh, the, the backbone and, and server tech for, for our games ultimately. Uh, and that put us into a, a new position now that we started to have users and interest. And now firmly, I think we're in our, our middle stage between developer and, and platform, uh, which is a, mainly as a publisher. So we, um, we're, we're looking for the best developers to bring really great games that could actually stand on their own not uh, not just in the web web three gaming market, but in the regular gaming market. Um, you know, all platforms have have great content, so that's that's what we're looking for. So there's there's a lot to unpack there. Um, we're gonna so we're definitely gonna get to the publishing piece, but games as the use case, um, and this is something that kind of resonates pretty strongly with me. Uh, I'm sure we share this this thesis here, and I'm probably preaching to the choir, so to speak. But, you know, one of my theses is always that whenever there's a new uh, disruptive consumer technology uh, that gets relatively quick adoption, you know, so you could talk about social networks, you know, Zynga, you could talk about mobile with the app stores obviously opening up and, and gaming emerging as a big use case. Um, gaming tends to become the flywheel of additional consumer adoption uh, because people want to have fun, right? Um, and so tell me a little bit about uh, your thesis around gaming as the primary use case uh, at least for Gala games entering into the the Web three blockchain space, uh, is that how you see it as well? Yeah, I, I think I would. I think I would agree with that sentiment. Um, for for Gala to come in games first, I think uh, one uh, we we largely have a background in the gaming industry and and in games, so it was kind of a natural fit just for for the folks who were who were starting it. Um, but I, I think it's also um, uh, gaming is the the among all of the entertainment vectors, it is by far the, the biggest industry. Uh, so it's not, it's not just uh, uh, wide, but it's really deep in the long tail, all the different types of games you can bring to market 
things you could you could test when you're when you're building games. And then um, third, among the uh, enormity of the the gaming industry, free to play is is and mobile are you know mobile free to play are by far the 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 biggest driver. And that use case, and this I was I alluded to this before that that use case where you're striving to play to own digital assets and spending an incredible amount of money doing so, it just fits so well with the idea of true ownership that it just uh, it seems like such a natural fit for for the for the blockchain use case. So um, somewhere between the three of those, yeah, I, I agree that gaming gaming is a great flywheel for for uh, these kind of innovations. Uh, and in this case, it, it really does seem like the the two the tech of, of blockchain games are, are tailor made for each other. So I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, however, uh, not everybody, <laughs> of course, is a fan. Um, you know, gaming uh, has its skeptics. Of course, free to play, mobile free to play, and you know, in app purchases had its skeptics at the time, and of course, still does, uh, despite being obviously a huge, huge business. Um, what do you see as the main impediments to mass market adoption of of blockchain gaming, Web3 gaming, whatever we want to call it. Um, how do you bring the mass market to Web3? Uh, even if it is a great fit, which I, again, I agree with, there are lots of skeptics and there are a lot of uh, technical hurdles, I think, for the mass market to, to really get there. What do, you guys are, what do you guys see at Gala as driving that mass market adoption? Um, yeah, fo- focusing on the, the uh, skepticism first, um, I find it... Um, I find it somewhat bizarre in some cases. So we we find that skepticism, not just with users, we find it with uh, hiring and we find it with uh, our developer outreach. I would say probably somewhere around 30 to 35% of developers that we've approached over the past few years just want absolutely nothing to do with with blockchain. The ones that are, uh, that also despise uh, free to play, I can at least, uh, understand where they're coming from, although I think they're wrong. The um, running into ones that are free-to-play developers that then say, "Oh, I'm not touching the dirty world of blockchain." I truly don't understand because it's. Uh, I think the the mistake that's made is if you think blockchain is going to be bad for gaming, you think it's a money grab that's bad for the users. But um, it really, I think of this often in, in that. Uh, in all that I, I you know, have done with free to play uh, at Zynga with free to play, where you know you're 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 selling entertainment for sure, but you're driving a lot of of money out of uh, people's pockets for games that ultimately you know go away, uh, and they don't have true ownership. Just adding that you actually, in, in this case, if you're if you're deep into a game and you own a lot of assets. And you're you don't like what the developer is doing and the direction they're taking in the game and the in free to play, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it except for stop playing. In in the blockchain scenario, you can sell your assets and find an, find another game. So it's a it's it's a real hurdle to over overcome just the kind of knee jerk reaction to it. And I, I think the approach is really through just great content that people want to play. I don't really think mentioning a game is a blockchain game is that much. It's it's not really an advantage when you're going mass market. Uh, if you're just playing a game that you, you like to play, you buy a battle pass, you start earning stuff, and then you realize, oh, I, I actually really own these. I could sell these if, if I want to. Who, who can argue with that, that as, a, as a bad thing? 
you know, so show, showing that there, there, there really is a holistic and altruistic value to the, to, to blockchain being in gaming. And it's, it's, it's not an evil. Um, and in any case, less evil than regular free to play for, for sure <laughs> is the, uh, is the hurdle to overcome. Yeah. One thing, one way I think about, um, you know, I agree with wholeheartedly with everything you say, there are great content that people want to play. That's ultimately what games are. Games are entertainment. Uh, that's something you want to do. You are choosing to spend your, your, you know, leisure time with that, that content. Uh, and I often think about things in coming from two buckets, you know, you've got your entertainment budget and then you've got your financial investment budget. And up until this point, I think there's been some conflation in blockchain gaming, web three gaming, between the two, it's part entertainment, part financial. And I wonder what your take on that is. Um, you know, is that something that, that Gala has leaned into? Is that something you've just noticed as emergent behavior? Uh, and what does your roadmap look going forward as you think about these different experiences? You know, you talked about the games industry being wide and deep and that there's, you know, plenty of different titles to go after something deep like Mirandus, you know, as a, as a really kind of deep fiction strategy game. And then you've got more casual games like um, the Spider Tanks, which, uh, you know, is, is kind of a fun brawl uh, obviously, there's a gazillion other variants of, of game that, that come there. Um, how does this notion of conflation between entertainment budget and financial investment budget come into play when you decide what titles to, to go after and what kind of content to produce? Or does it? So, um, so it, uh, I mean, I, I would say it, 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 it certainly does, but we have a, we have a, a, a strong opinion on it. Um, even where, and I think we're, we're coming from a world where a lot of the early adopters here were, were more in the uh, uh, financial side, side of it. Although I, I always view our user base uh, as, as it exists as a big Venn diagram of uh, uh, gaming enthusiasts and uh, crypto enthusiasts. So it's, you kind of have to have both of those, those things to, to come in. Um, we've been very clear in the, from the beginning that like you, you should only buy um, NFTs for, for our games if you're, if you're really interested in playing the game and you, you think the game is going to be fun because that's um, that's the whole, whole purpose of it. Now there's, and there's not going to be, there's not value created from, from nothing. The only value these things will have is if there's demand for them because people are playing the game and they, they, they think the game is fun. So that's always been our, our position on it. And I think it's becoming more so as now we move to, um, we're moving from a point where we still only have you know one live game in market, which which is is Townstar. We have a huge slate of games coming up, uh, and what we really need is to bring this uh, to the to the mass market now. Uh, and that I think it's if your NFTs go up in value, if you're able to earn with them because you're good at the game, those are those are nice to haves that the the platform brings, but they're they're really not shouldn't be the focus, and they're they're not our focus. I don't think long term that that works. If you don't have great games that lots of people want to play and play for a long time. There, there's no, no value in the, the digital assets for that, that game. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've seen that, you know, the play to earn meta has been largely played out. I think by this point, I think most people recognize that you don't create value from nothing, <laughs> certainly not yeah. from playing a game. Um, you know, it either comes from incoming players um, or it comes from the developers. Somebody has to fund that pot of earning if it's, you know, and, and, and uh, if your economy is based on an extractive model where players are expecting to extract value from it. Um, so uh, it, how have you thought about the, the play to earn meta? How have you seen it play out? Um, 
I don't recall if Gala actually ever called itself as a play to earn game, even in, in the early stages. Um, so Town, Townstar was a, a play to earn game. Actually, we, we switched it to a play, play to earn game. You know, we watched we watched the industry like everybody else and uh, um, uh, saw, saw Axie become a phenomenon the, the way that they had uh, structured their, their coins and, and earning around it. Uh, and really, we, we turned Townstar into a play-to-earn game as a hypothesis and, and test. Uh, and we, we learned quite a bit from how that test went and, and from watching what happened with Axie. But I think you're exactly right. Is you know when you, when you pick apart the Axie model, it was a, a model where your, your ability to, to earn came from new users coming into the system. And you know, there's a word for those kinds of systems that, that, that work that way. Um, and when you, you know, we have, we, we've built a, um, a, a fairly robust economy team here. And when, when you break it down the way, there, there really is no way to just create value from nothing long-term. You could do it short-term. Uh, there can be speculation that can drive a lot of values for users, but long-term it, 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 it has to be coming from, from somewhere. Um, I think this is, it, it affected us that it, uh, it, it, it definitely delayed us a bit because we, we essentially, we like to test something, find heat, and then double down on it. And we kind of ran the Townstar test with an assumption that, yeah, this is the way to go. So it was really baked into a lot of our models that were, were more in the play to earn sense. Um, and I, know I think about it now and, you know, watching Axie and the, the, uh, the industry of guilds around it, um, I, I just kind of want to kick myself. Like, how could anybody ever think this was sustainable? That, you know, you could have companies that were based on hiring people just to extract value from your game. And it would be, it would be something that you would uh, welcome and want to work with, with those folks who are really just, they're just siphoning value out of your system. They're doing the, the behaviors that you don't want, right? They're just playing the game, not because they like it. They're, they're just grinding for, for cash, increasing the supply and, and bringing down the whole ecosystem uh, and ruining it for the people that, that actually like to play the game. So we've really moved away from that that uh, that play to earn model, um, leaning way more into um, playing to to uh, usually to to earn NFTs in the game that continue to enhance the experience. We're playing a lot with uh, battle pass models in in our new model, so offering steps up. You could play the game completely for free. You can take the next step up, uh, get a battle pass with a credit card, but you, you, you sign up for Gala, you have a wallet and you can start earning NFTs without having to go through that whole uh, difficult process, you know, of uh, um, getting a wallet, getting crypto in it uh, and, and then purchasing NFTs. Uh, and then um, on the, the kind of premium side, which is NFT ownership, we are opening up ways to, to earn in that model. But it's uh, it's typically going more towards towards zero sum. You know, what comes into the system goes out. Uh, and what the, the way to actually earn is, is being great at the game. So if you're, if you're really good at the game, if you, if you play a lot, uh, if you have some of the better, better assets and can compete, um, those are really the only folks that would be extracting value out. Um, but pl- offering plenty of opportunities for, for them to put, put it, uh, back into the system to kind of continue just the way you would in, in free to play, you know? So it's, uh, our, our models are going way more in that, in that direction now. 
So you said something that obviously rings very true. Also, as an ex Zingite here, the ex Zynga PM, in fact, um, you know, running Townstar played around as a test and kind of owning up to the fact, like, hey, this is a test. We're experimenting here. That was, that's very, you know, reminiscent of Zynga, where PMs would be like, okay, we see something interesting. Let's try it out. Let's see how it happens. And then remaining intellectually honest and saying didn't work or it did work, and then you double down. Uh, and it sounds like in this case, you recognize uh, probably fairly quickly that the, <laughs> that this this type of uh, perhaps slightly pyramid-shaped model uh, doesn't necessarily sustain very well. Um, so I want to do a little detour because this is very uh, has been very interesting to me watching from the sidelines, and I want to hear from the inside what you guys are doing in this space. They seem like experiments, um, but I just want to kind of confirm that that's the case. You've done a lot of other things at Gala that are not just gaming-related. Uh, you know, you've done music NFTs with Snoop Dogg, right? You're not just doing music mm -hmm. NFTs to experiment. you Let's do it with Snoop Dogg. Let's do the experiment at the highest level. Uh, you did uh, NFTs, art NFTs with Frank Miller, the legendary graphic novelist, um, amazing artist. Uh, you've done GalaCon, which is an in-person thing, brings the community together, I presume. Uh, yeah, gives you a chance to announce Gala, things. Galaverse. It's Galaverse. Sorry, Galaverse uh, now. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. not GalaCon. My yeah, bad. Have to my switch bad. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you've got something uh, cryptic about film that you've got on your website that don't exactly know what it is. Um, a lot of experiments, a lot of different initiatives. Uh, obviously, you've got the gaming side, which is still your seems to be your bread and butter. How do these experiments all fit together? What are you guys trying to figure out? What, what are the experiments that you're running here as you do these fairly high profile uh, experiments with very big names uh, in their respective industries? Yeah, gotcha. So there, I, I don't view these as, as experiments um, exactly because they're really uh, cut to the heart of what what Gala intends to be, which is a Web three entertainment company. So so it is going after all three of the, those industry games, music and film, of, co of course. Um, start starting with the games area. There's there's a common theme in here, um, which we Gala we consider ourselves a very game developer first uh, company. So everybody on, uh, we have we have four internal studios uh, uh, for game development. And then we have a, a, a team that that services all of our, our, uh, our publishing titles. Everybody on that team, um, I, I think with without fail has been, um, now we're part of a, you know, a, a semi-large publisher. We've all been members of even larger publisher organizations. And we've all been startup indie game devs, uh, and that that experience, like it's a it's a rough business being a, a startup game developer. You know, you're usually um, doing work that you, you for you you basically want to create your your own IP, your own games. You want to work on the games that you want to work on, but often to get there, you end up doing a lot of man work hours. You might take over a game that's you know ten years old to run the live services on it and get a tiny rev share on whatever you drive, or you'll do like uh, you know a port to a different platform. So so you you end up kind of grinding out this low margin business to try and take a shot that is usually a bet the company shot to to bring your own IP to market. Um, so we we wanted to break that. So our 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 contracts with developers, I think the quickest one we ever signed from meeting them to, to sign in the contract was four days. And it's because the contracts are exceptionally clean. It's a, uh, we fund development uh, that's recoupable. It's a 50, 50 rev share developers keep their IP. Um, I think it's a, it's a deal that surprises a lot of developers, but it's, it's intended to uh, 
get the greatest game makers by giving them a bigger piece of, of, of what they're, they're, they're making. And it's been very successful for, for us at, track, at, at attracting some great creators. Um, and at the heart of that is kind of acknowledgement that the, the industry is a bit broken, that the creators don't get the biggest piece of, of the pie and there, there's leverage there. When we look at um, film and music, uh, um, we see the, a very similar thing that the you know, creators are, are really not getting paid, especially on the, the digital side. So on, on the music side, you see most artists making, ma where they actually make their living is, is touring uh, and they get you know, uh, pennies on, on, on dollars made by, by the streaming platforms. So we, we looked at we look at that and think that's something that true digital ownership can can solve. So it's a uh, um, it's kind of attacking in the same way we attack games with the same same problems to solve. Okay, how do we take this essentially you know uh, absolute ownership and and apply it to uh, these these industries to connect the consumers of the content with the actual creators um, and and give both of them uh, more more of it. So it's a uh, um, uh, deals like we have with um, Snoop Dogg, I think those are really to to bring notoriety to the platform, show that we can work with with, with big artists. Um, lately, music has been doing, we've been doing uh, um, uh, a lot smaller emerging artists, smaller drops. And I think we're really, we're really leaning into that direction, bringing emerging artists to market, um, you know, instead of just trying to, to grind it out uh, on, on SoundCloud, it's a, it's a new path uh um for exposure uh and and to monetize their content early in their career so i think you just more or less answered this question but i do have some a little follow-ons here on this um i'm just gonna pivot the, the the questioning to the third party titles that you've got you have some pretty big names you alluded to that you've got you know will wright of the sims fame uh he's working with you you've got great ip uh the walking dead for example um you kind of alluded to your third uh, party publishing partnership strategy, which is, hey, give more ownership, give more you know, power to, to the developers, you know, try and fix this broken model that we all know from the industry is broken. Um, but you must have some evaluation criteria. You can't just publish any, any old game, right? Um, so how, how do you evaluate the games, the teams, especially if you're moving as fast as you say you are, you know, with the quickest deal being signed in, in four days? Um, how do you balance the big names who presumably have more expectations of the, the partnership versus bringing some smaller titles um, to, to the platform as well. How many titles do you actually have in development right now? And when are they all coming to market? My, this is one of my favorite subjects is, is talking about our, our portfolio because I'm, I'm quite proud of uh, what we've accomplished. So it uh, uh, the portfolio in total, I, I believe we have 27 games, including our internal developments uh, um, in development right now. Uh, those will all come to market over, I think the latest uh, of those will be in 2025. Um, but next year should be a really big year for us. What we, we're, we're aiming to bring three games to market uh, this year in Q4. And then um, next year, we could potentially see a monthly cadence of, of releases. Uh, as the games get ready, how we how we attack that we, we a, a number of ways, essentially, we did a, a, a big genre matrix to look at all the, you know, what, what genres of games are popular across all platforms, where are the biggest opportunities, where are the, where are the most users, and then made sure that we had uh, bets that we really liked in each, each one of the most important ones. 
Um, part of it was evolution over time of just what we could afford, frankly. So some of the some of the games we'll bring to market will be more on the lower budget, smaller mobile side of things. Um, I think our our largest committed project though is a three year, seventy five million dollar budget AAA game. So it's it really it grew over time with a couple you know really really big bets that we we made on um, where it really all starts, how we evaluate. Uh, it starts with the team, obviously. So the, the team's track record, track record in genre, um, uh, uh, how long they've been working together, uh, that, that goes the longest way in us determining if we, we think the, 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 the resulting product will be a success. What, what, have, what have they made before? Another criteria we have in place is that um, judging how flexible they'll be to work with us on our various roles uh, as we see it as a publisher, um, you know, traditional publishers is, you know, just doing uh, UA or they have distribution. Um, our, our partnership for, for third-party titles, it, it really, it, it's, uh, it's kind of like a marriage. We spend a lot of time with the teams because we, just, we, put, we lay out the, the, the strategy for how NFTs should work in the game and in the genre. Um, we do the tokenomic models. If there's a coin in the game, we develop all that stuff. So how willing the team is to be flexible and work with those kinds of new ideas is, 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 a, is a big thing for us. And it, it's, it's ranged from, uh, in, in the worst cases, it's kind of like we have to do everything. Uh, in the best cases, we kind of lay out the pillars and some of the teams have come back and surprised us with the innovative thinking they have around it because really they, they know the games uh, more, more deeply um, than, than, than we do. Um, so it's uh yeah it's so it's been a, a kind of evolution of uh, of what we could afford um uh over time i think we met um more and more experienced teams uh wanting to work with us so the kind of the budgets got bigger over time so i think what you'll you'll see as uh, as our games come out is the games will kind of get bigger and bigger and more more robust in how long they've been worked on so it's great to work with great teams and obviously bring out great content. And that's probably the best way to, to make those bets. Um, but of course, another challenge with bringing any game to market, never mind a, a blockchain slash Web3 game that has all the hurdles and you know kind of conception problems that, that they have is, is of course, distribution. Uh, now, you obviously have a pretty decent audience size of your own. I think on your website, you, you cite 1.2 million uh, MAU, um, which is obviously amazing and huge certainly by web3 standards but you know by traditional gaming standards that's you know that's not there yet right um, one thing you recently announced was a partnership with the epic store which i think is very interesting um, that you're bringing a grit i believe it's a western themed kind of open world ride or die type game um, to the epic store and of course epic has 200 million players um, that's obviously a huge audience, a huge opportunity to bring something to the mass market. What are your expectations for Grit? Uh, you know, what does success look like? How are you thinking about it internally? And how is Epic viewing a deal like this? You know, Epic is probably one of the first big platform players um, with a big audience that's that's taking a chance, so to speak, with Web3, with, with blockchain, which is great, which is obviously is what we as an industry all need. But uh, how are you guys thinking about this deal and how is Epic thinking about it? I mean, I, I, for us, it, it's tremendous to have uh, um, one of the big distribution platforms raise their hand and say, we recognize that this, 
there's no boogeyman here. This is there's just extra value and a and a, and a different model behind these games. They're just games. You know, you just when they're on Epic, you just download them and play them like you would would any other game. So uh, it, it's uh, grit will absolutely go to Epic. Actually, I think we're going to get another game out this year onto Epic, probably before even grit goes, which hmm. it should be in in Q1 next year. Um, and uh, when I, I've always, when we think of uh, Gala wanting to be a self serve platform. It really is for NFT sales and blockchain technology. It's not for distribution. So I I, I want to distribute our games everywhere that we can. A lot of these um, the, the games we're bringing to market, we also think um, truly, you know, launching them with ownership is just one facet of the game, and they can function without ownership. So we're considering putting them out as free to play games that don't have the ownership uh, component. Um, on other uh, mass market platforms, because I think once you once we do that, and if, if people play the game like the game, get to know that Gala makes great games, um, it's kind of a quick step. If you're playing, if you're spending, or just spending, you know, time and effort to earn things in the game, to realize, huh? If I just played on Epic, I would have actually owned all of these things as as, as NFTs. I think it's it's through that use case you really see that there there's there's no danger here and it really is a is a user first proposition. Um, so for all these grit grit in particular, that's you know that's a battle royale. We need uh, you know 100 people in many concurrent matches. So we're really looking for broad consumer adoption uh, on, on that title in, in particular, given the genre. And. What is what is Epic uh, thinking about this? I mean, you, you've obviously had the conversation. I mean, you can't speak for what's entire, you know, the entire Epic organization is is thinking. But but you know, what is their thesis on this? You said no boogeyman. That's great. And again, it's it's incredible for you know our our industry in general that they're they're doing this. But um, I'm sure that it wasn't without. Yeah, completely without hesitation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh. So I I guess I would just say it that like they're you know. They are, are absolutely uh, opening the the access to their platform and users uh, to to us and other other blockchain companies. They're not um, they're not putting an NFT marketplace on Epic right now. You know, like that's so it's. I, I think they're in a kind of wait and see, but in in an open minded way, uh, versus a you know a, a blockchain ban kind kind of way. Uh, that you know, see where this goes and, and support evolution over over time. I, I personally expect all the platforms to open up to to blockchain as, as this message gets through. And actually, I think Axie was pretty damaging to that because I think a lot of them saw Playdurn and were like, "Oh, this this could be this could be interesting." We see real adoption here. Oh, people are making money and developing parts of the world. Uh, and then the absolute collapse of it. I think they they've kind of said, "Oh, well." Let's let them figure that out a bit, and then maybe we'll come back around. But the model we're 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 uh, proposing it, it's it's really you just get to own the things that you earn playing the game anyway. And I think once that gets seen, it's going to go on all platforms: Apple, Google, Xbox, PlayStation. I, I think I think it will just be. It's like it's just a different database in the end, right? There's no there's no reason to 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 ban it. So you know. You are definitely preaching to the choir here, uh, me being the choir uh, of, of many uh, 
believe this strongly and firmly in my, my own heart as well. Um, still some work to do, of course, Oxia and some other um, titles have, have definitely, uh, again, I don't fault Oxia for it because they were experimenting too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, they, I, were, I, they were trailblazers. They were front yeah. runners. They did uh, in some ways did a massive favor um, by kickstarting this space. And then in, you know, certainly there are, there are cases to be made that, that it has perhaps now slowed adoption in, in some ways. Um, one thing I always draw a distinction with, which is I, it's hard for anybody, I think, or at least it's hard for me to imagine how anybody disagrees with the notion of owning your digital assets. And I know that you've been putting a lot of emphasis on that. And I know Gala puts a lot of emphasis on that. There is a second aspect which you've touched on, but I want to go a little deeper on now is the notion of a, a tokenized economy. Um, and having on-chain coins that you can trade either on a centralized exchange or a DEX. Um, and essentially, whether you're planning for it or not as a developer, extract value. And it might not be a lot of value. It might be a lot of value, but extract value from, from this open economy. How are you guys that you've got lots of titles, you said uh, 27 games total, including your own titles in development. Um, how are you thinking about the economy itself, putting aside the NFTs and the ownership of your digital assets that you can take from game to game or sell or trade or gift. How do you think about the the token itself or, or the, the fungible tokens that are actually powering yeah. the in-game economy? Because they're quite so, different in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree. They, they, they are, they're very different to us too. Um, so we are, again, uh, um, uh, towards our the spirit that we run the business, which is, you know, ex hypothesis experiment and, and see how it works. Um, having a, um, the, the games coin currency be uh, on the blockchain, it's just another test because all these games have currencies right, right now, you know, like uh, most, most games will have a free to play. You'll have a premium currency, and a, and a not premium currency that, that you can earn. So just testing what it, how it would work for an economy if you said, okay, you know what? That's, that's actual real money too. So that, that, that money that, uses to, that, that is used to run the games economy, will give you ownership of that too. Uh, and I, I think of it more within the, the, this test, uh, our, our business is um, first, party NFT sales for our games that we charge, you know, Gala, ETH, a couple other currencies for. When I think of the game currencies, if I, I think of it more like, it's like the oil that makes this engine run. It's, it's for the, the, the user base. It's to be used in the game primarily to run the game economy. And if users want to earn, or if they want to leave the game, they have both their currency and their, their NFTs. They have ownership of both those things to leave. But I really think of it more like that. It's like it's oil in the engine for, for the users that are actually using it. Uh, and uh, we get to sell gasoline if that whole system works in a sustainable way. And uh, the economies that we, we've designed now, they really focus on sustainability, uh, supply only cre increasing if usage and users increase in in the game so if the economy is naturally supposed to grow then the supply will grow but it's growing because they're they're the 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 coin is actually being used that's the only only way it really really grows so we don't we don't really think of those as like a that's a big revenue opportunity uh, for for us it's more of a, a test for how an ecosystem could work like that and how how what would that do to the overall game's success and given you have so many different games, do you have any games that share um, a, a currency at the moment, or are they all 
they're all open, but they're all open separately. Um, a couple of them uh, in plan will, will actually use Gala. So we're not planning a, a coin for every single game. Um, for the ones that we're planning for a, a coin for, they're, they're not interoperable. They're, they're, they're only used to buy assets in NFTs for that game or you know, consumables or, or be spent with, within that one game economy. Gotcha. And was that a conscious choice or did you consider experimenting having, uh, I, I don't know if they still have plans for this, but Animoca um, had at one point, they had a, I can't remember the name of the other one, but one was called Rev, R-E-V-V. And it was going to be a token that was shared across all their motor racing games um, that were built for Web3. Uh, I actually don't know what the latest on that is, so I'm going to make a note to, to follow up on that. Um, that's an interesting experiment in my mind. Um, also comes with a tremendous amount of risk. <laughs> given yeah. Every game has their own economy. And, you know, as we know, as free-to-play game designers, you know, with, with a long history in this, you mess one thing up and the entire economy gets blown, right? And so yeah. I'm just curious how you guys thought about that. And, and was that consciously like, yeah. no, we should not mess with any individual game's economy by sharing it with some other game? I think consciously, absolutely, yes. Having a game coin that is tied to that game's particular economy, and frankly, you know, tests and a hypothesis that that we're we're going to be running in each of the each of those games. Um, I don't think without and until we have a model that we're like, oh, we we found it, everybody. This is the way that tokenomics works in in free to play games, and here's why, and everybody should do it this way. Then I, I think we'd be more confident to to spread a coin across multiple games. But it's another reason we don't, you know, go just use Gala in each one of them, right? Because it, then it puts risk for for Gala for for the entire ecosystem. So I think it would be hard, especially in working with different developers and saying, "Hey guys, we're launching a coin for your genre, and uh, your economy's health is going to be based on uh, making sure your economy's health is good and yours is too. Because if one of them is broken, then the whole thing breaks down." Um, you know, I spend, I spend all day trying to solve these problems. That's not one I want, I want to take on to. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So that leads me to kind of a follow on question, which is, I'm sure you've heard this bandied about uh, a lot, maybe a little less so recently, but you know, this magical term interoperability. Um, now that means a lot of different things to different people. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to share, you know, currencies, but, but even like taking your NFTs from one game to another, um, taking even your avatar, even if it's not a game and it's just a, an open kind of metaverse experience where you can take a 3D avatar from one to the other. Um, how are you guys thinking about interoperability, especially given that you actually are, have a pretty good uh, front row seat given you see all these different games that are essentially in your yeah. ecosystem? Everybody loves that word. Everybody, they love it. Everybody loves it. Our whole company loves it too. Uh, we think about it in a, in a couple of ways. So, um, one we have uh, we have uh, announced you know with Will Wright uh, Voxverse as uh, a, a metaverse play so so a game but more more in a, a, a metaverse sense and we actually have uh, unannounced we have two other games that we we think fit into that description that they're they're more uh, while Vox is kind of a, a, a generalized metaverse across everything um, these other two are. Uh, they have a specific game genre uh, with, with their in. So they're kind of smaller metaverses. So one thing we're thinking of is how we have all three of those games, those metaverses, you know, work together. So can you take an avatar from one to the other? We also think about um, 
and you were you were saying no no fault to to Axie. I I love those. I, I love everything that that the, anybody who's working on these these problems to 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 bring um, Web three three gaming to uh, uh, toward towards the vision. Um, I, I I applaud them all. Uh, so and I you know all the the uh, we look a lot at the top PFP collections and think. How can we how can we bring those into our ecosystem as well? It's a beautiful thing with NFTs. That once you know you have it, you can you can do whatever you can have it do whatever you want in the the experience that you build. So we think about uh, that a lot. And then the other piece of it for us is uh, kind of internally interoperable. How do we blend together what we're doing in music and film into games? Like it, it uh, especially music and games, um, uh, uh, and emphatically in, in some of the genres we're going after have have a very deep fit. So um, we're we're uh, we're working on a lot of ways that if you own music NFTs, you can bring them in into the game. They can do things. We did one thing with Snoop Dogg where we did uh, we launched a bunch of um, uh, uh, tanks called the 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 uh, called the the low rider. It was a speaker on them that blasts. And Snoop Dogg did uh, I think he did like four tracks, four spider tanks. One called Spider Tanks. Uh, and when you get kills in the match, it plays your, your the Snoop Dogg tracks that that we sold in in music. So little things like that, and and, and expanding uh, uh, um, the interoperability uh, <laughs> across games, films, and music, and then uh, across our games. And then I think we're just always opportunistically look for for good fits. You know, games that are in the in the same genre or worlds that can blend together. Um, how to make them work together. Um- Another question, um, slightly different topic here, but but related, uh, governance and DAOs. Um, I don't think you've announced a DAO. Um, different developers have different views on this. You, you know, players already have a certain level of ownership because they own the NFTs in, in Web3. Um, if you have a governance token, you know, a la Axia or, you know, some other uh, developers, then you at least theoretically have some kind of voting rights or some say over the the roadmap. You don't necessarily have to be a player to have those those rights. Um, I, I'm I'm of mixed view on this topic. Whether you need a DAO, whether you need a governance token, um, what do you guys think? What does Gala think about um, about oh, that man. notion? I, I just have to be honest. I I wish I could tell you. It's something that we've we've talked about, and I I personally have been more of on the listening side of of those conversations. Just to be honest, I'm kind of the the, the games guy in in the in the corner, um, so I I can't tell you definitively uh, what our opinion is is on uh, governance token. Um, although we have uh, we have we we have con- considered it. Uh, whether, whether we would move forward with a plan like that or or, or not, and what it would look like, I, I really I, I can't speak to. Um, so it's not not the best answer for. for the well, it's an interesting podcast, topic. I I, you know, I would probably have really, a very similar answer if you, if you asked me. Um, I'm of mixed view. I think it's an interesting experiment, but I think it introduces a whole bunch of unintended consequences potentially. And if you rush to to introducing one or or giving players just a lot more control over your roadmap. Um, it it has potential downside. Uh, and oh yeah, just having a yeah, just giving when, when you when you give a vote to the masses like that. Actually, we we uh, we toyed with um, the game we're about to launch, uh, Spider Tanks. We're launching it on on Halloween this year. Uh, we had a thought at one point, huh? What if we let the community name this game? So we let them play it, and uh, it was like a Bodie McBoatface result. It was uh, <laughs> they came up with 
overwhelmingly shooty booms was the <laughs> was the winner i love that well that's a great name why did you adopt it that's they mass market we talked about what what gets mass market adoption nothing gets mass market adoption the, the like spider tanks booms. the spider tanks folks didn't find it funny they are they are dutch and they didn't find it funny for their, oh, the dutch their have spider a good tank sense of humor they have a good sense of humor, the Dutch. So um, I love that. That's a great story. Yeah. Well, they see that's that's the unintended consequence. I don't know if it's a downside, yeah. but that's an unintended consequence of giving uh, uh, perhaps too much um, voting power or, or governance rights to to your players. Um, sometimes the developers know best because it's their vision and they want to realize that vision whole and, and not have it be tinkered with by outsiders. Um Okay, well, this has been great. Uh, we only have a few minutes left here. So I, I wanted to bring up one other topic, which is not related to games at all, um, but is, an, is a really interesting and, and very topical um, uh, story, which is that Starbucks has just announced that they're going to integrate with Polygon uh, to do additional rewards for their loyalty program members. I don't know if you saw this news. And in my opinion, at least, this has the potential to help educate the mass market about NFTs, period. It doesn't have to be for gaming or for art mm -hmm. or for music. But the idea of like, oh, I own something digital and that gives me certain perks or rights or whatever uh, is intuitively a very natural concept, I think, for us to understand hasn't yet really percolated to the mass market. Um, what are you seeing? What gets you, that got me excited. What gets you excited? What are you seeing from other companies that are doing innovative things with digital ownership, with the idea that, you know, you can actually own something on blockchain and it'd be verified and, you know, be able to transfer it, sell it, gift it, whatever. You know, uh, one of our partners is uh, NBC Universal. And I saw they just launched a uh, NFT collection that you could get waiting online at the theme parks. So it's uh, across eight eight of the rides, uh, and then if you get all eight, you get a um, an, an extra exclusive one. Um, it's it's simple. What honestly between that and and what what Starbucks is doing, uh, Nike with our our, our uh, with the uh, their NFTs when you buy sneakers now, anything that would drive a consumer that doesn't have a wallet to having a wallet is a huge win from my perspective. It's like it's one of the biggest hurdles that, that we have in onboarding is, you know, it's, it's hard enough to, you, you've never heard of, heard of Gala, check out the website. Oh, I'm willing to give you, all right, I'm willing to take the time to give you my email address and a password. And it was a real email address and verify it. And then you're like, and here's your 12 secret words and don't take a picture of them. <laughs> And don't write them down on your computer. Don't worry, you know, just just write it down. Like it's such it's such a hurdle. So the, the more that 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 adoption can be driven by by these you know real world value programs, uh, I, I really love to see that that expansion. Yeah, I mean, my opinion, the biggest hurdle right now to any adoption of any blockchain technology is the friction. You know, again, as game yeah. developers, we know every time you introduce friction you get a big drop off in it's your a phone. drop. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, having to download a, some random wallet that you've never heard of and, you know, do the secret words and, uh, you know, buy, you know, do the know your customer in order to even buy some crypto, um, yep. you know, and then tr trade that for some other crypto uh, and then send it to your wallet and then go to some marketplace. And, but like, that's nuts, right? Like, and so you really entirely. have to be, yeah. you have to be extremely dedicated. And that's, that's why I keep coming back to, we're still at this weird, uh, intersection of financial motivation and uh, entertainment value. Uh, you know, the pure entertainment value is hard 
for I think developers to capture right now, just because you do have so many hurdles and so much friction to to get there. Which is why I think a lot of these tokenized economies and like financial speculation with NFTs has emerged because you have to kind of justify to yourself that this is coming not just from my entertainment budget, but from my actual financial investment budget as well. Um, yeah. I think the speculation has has driven uh, a lot of the pricing in the past, mm. uh, and it's all ahead of this being real, right? It's like we've 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 done a lot of pre-sales and then had so much action on OpenSea on on the the collections, all based on speculation of how big could this be, how big could the game be, how big could this whole industry be? Um, I think that changes once the games are actually live and, and launched, and and you can you can see what what value they have. Um, and see that value is driven from real player demand because they want to play the game. Like all these things that we're discussing exist. They just exist uh, highly inefficiently with, with, with high friction. Like selling items on World of Warcraft happens. Selling items on Diablo happens. Selling accounts for uh, any of the top mobile games that, you know, you, you can go buy black market accounts from. Like these, these things happen. They just happen inefficiently. That there's no way to transfer uh, the, the the value that that's created. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Okay, so let's wrap up here. Um, what are you guys working on? What's the alpha you want to drop today? If if anything, fine. If if nothing uh, to announce, but sounds like you got a Spider Tanks coming out soon. Spider. We're really focused on. Uh, there, there's two games that, that are gonna, gonna come out in uh, in Q4 for sure. One is uh, Spider Tanks, which is like a mobile brawler. That's gonna. This is also gonna launch on um, our, our our own blockchain. So uh, um, it's one of the things that we're doing for onboarding is that we create a wallet for you. We can start dropping things in. You don't have to actually go through the process of uh, uh, um, getting your words of doing any of that unless you have something in value in there that's driving you to to do it. So we can onboard players very very easily with with this with a, with with no gas. So that's going to be a really really big big release for us that we've been working on for a while. And then um, I'm really excited uh, about a, a the, the next game coming up is called Superior. This is a roguelite in the kind of a superhero genre. It looks like a comic book. It's a super high quality game that that we think uh, can absolutely stand on its own if it were just released, you know, on on Steam as as a paid download or, or free to play game. It's we, we really hope it drives drives home the message that you know we're not just making great blockchain games. We're really we're making great games. Like that's that's our that's our focus. So that one should be out uh, November December timeframe. Awesome. Well, that about wraps it up. John, uh, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Uh, it is really quite incredible how much Gala has built in a very short space of time and all the experiments and high profile things that you guys have been working on. I don't know if uh, you get enough credit for it, I think, in the industry. Um, so that's why I wanted to have you on here um, and, and kind of tell that story. Uh, I feel like we've got many more hours we, we could spend. We didn't even get to talk about your side chain. I was in my notes, but we, we didn't have the time to to tackle that. So so thank you again, John, for, for coming on the pod. Um, and we hope to have you back again soon. Uh, I had a great time. Thanks for, for having me today. Awesome. Uh, this has been the Metacast Crypto Corner uh, with your host, me, Nico Vori. Uh, until next time, friends, stay crypto curious. Uh, check out the show notes and feel free to send any questions, uh, guest suggestions or comments to me, nico at novic.co. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.